The music you're listening to right now is uh, by Andre 3000. It's off of his new album, uh, New Blue Sun. And uh, if you're wondering why I am using my NPR voice, it's strictly to point out that some of you actually fell for that. Some of you actually thought that that was music from his album because you have not listened to it. You're telling people you've listened. You haven't. No. As you can tell from what Luxury is now playing, we're going further back in time to the year 2000. This episode of One Song goes out to all the baby mamas, mama mamas, baby mamas, 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 all the mamas and all the babies. That's right. On this episode of One Song, we're apologizing a trillion times and talking about Outkast's seminal three times platinum billboard chart topping owed to complicated relationships. That's right. We are talking Outkast and the song Miss Jackson. If you're nasty. Different Miss Jackson. Oh, okay. In fact, let's play a clip of the Miss Jackson. Oh, the, we let's, are let's talking get the right Miss Jackson. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Baby mama's mama. Yeah, go like this. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh. Can't not do the woo. <laughs> no one can't no, do the woo. No, no, you got you can't you can't no one not the woo. woo when it's time to woo. Can't not woo. <laughs> no, not wooing. My friend, I am so excited to be talking about. Not just Miss Jackson, but about Outcast. I mean, this is I've been waiting for this episode. I am so stoked too. We were fooling around earlier, but I was playing it in the style of jazz flute because literally just a few days before this episode, and I have to say, kind of fortuitously, I got sick. We were supposed to tape this on a Wednesday, but I got sick, and then moments later, Andre three thousand announced that he was dropping a new instrumental album called New Blue Sun. So perfect timing. We've had a chance to all culturally absorb yeah, I feel this like, record. I feel like Outcast is back in the public eye is back out there in the zeitgeist and, and what a perfect time to talk about not just their crazy career path right but in particular the stankonia album you know which is sort of like at the halfway mark of their career so i think you know what better timing could it be perfect timing exactly yeah all right we need every single second of the show so we're just <laughs> going to jump right in i'm actor writer director and sometimes dj diallo riddle and i'm producer dj and songwriter luxury aka the guy who sometimes frequently often even talks about and even whispers about <laughs> interpolation and this is one song treat dad to the good stuff at nordstrom rack and save big Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love, up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So today we're talking Outcast. Today we're talking Miss Jackson. Yes. This is a song that went three times platinum. Wow. It was the first Outcast single to hit number one on the Billboard charts. Awesome. And was part of two Grammy Awards in 2001 when it was the best rap performance 
by a duo or a group for the song Miss Jackson, and then the album itself won Best Rap Album. So Diallo, I want to start by asking you this. Miss Jackson drops in 2000, mm. so right around hip-hop's 25th birthday. What does this song say about the evolution of the genre of hip-hop? Uh, it's so interesting. I, I, I feel like it's a group maturing, and it's also a genre maturing. Like, if you think about it, like, this song is about, you know, the sloppiness of breakups. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, or, you know, having children out of wedlock, you one would assume. Like, you know, this is, there. there's no surprise here. Andre had been um, in a serious relationship with Erica Badu. The Miss Jackson in the song is based on her mom. Right. But, I mean, it's a very mature thing to be, I mean, like, if you think about it, it was literally only, okay, this is 2000, 15 years earlier, you still got, like, you know, Run DMC, it's like that, that's the right. way it is, you know, you still got Curtis Blow, like, these are great songs, right. but these are essentially, like, party songs. Party rocking, so braggadocio. Par- party right. rocking, yeah, some bragging going on, my Adidas, my shoes are better than yours. Right. Like, this is literally talking about the intricacies of a relationship, so... It's, it's 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 almost bizarre that uh you know hip hop's been around for 50 years at exactly the halfway mark for hip hop you know you've got this great you know flowering and maturing that had been kind of coming along throughout the 90s i mean like i feel like the 90s is when hip hop starts taking on more complicated subjects and albums like the miseducation of lauren hill uh you know the outcast records you know there there are more and more people you know trying to sort of expand what the genre can talk we'll about. we're talk, talking about expanding the genre we're literally talking about that moment at the source awards where expanding that the geography of hip-hop yeah. you want to talk a little bit about what happened Absolutely. in 1995 so, at the source awards those who know me know i'm from atlanta um you know outcast when he was at the source awards saying you know Closed-minded folks, you know what i'm saying it's like we got a demo tape and don't nobody want to hear but it's like this the south got something to say that's all i got to say like you know, we heard that, and we had been supporting Outkast. I, I want to take a step back and just talk about Atlanta, yeah. real quick. And and you know, Atlanta's sort of a interesting city from on on, on the hip hop map uh, at the time. You know, you basically had two camps. You know, I, I figured you're, like you're, this is the insider view because you're growing up. You are in Atlanta. You I am growing in, up in this, Atlanta. Okay, yeah, yeah. I went to high school. They're they're older than me, but I went to high school with the Goody Mob. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I went to the same mall so as Outkast, Goody Mob. Organized mall. noise. <laughs> oh, we all went to Greenbrier Mall, and and I, actually, that's something I want to talk about too. So, real quick, the 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 hip hop map is that Atlanta at that time was between three places. We had Miami Booty Shake music coming, you know, from Miami. Mm-hmm. We had West Coast, and I'm gonna lump. Uh, sorry, Texas. I'm gonna lump the Texas rappers like Scarface and and rap a lot. You know, you had you know the West Coast rappers and NWA and Dr. Dre and that whole sound and then of course you know some of us I I feel like in white schools the punks didn't get along with the new romantics well in my high school (laughs) there were clearly camps like they're the kids who listen to West Coast and and Texas you know for the lack of a better term gangster rap and then there were you know sort of my clique which (laughs) you know we were we were nerdy we got the homework done y'all and we were more into De La Soul Tribe Called Quest yeah there was a lot of you know what group uh, from Atlanta gets forgotten a lot is Arrested Development Um, right you know like yeah. The way that those Outcast guys dress. Outcast is not dressed. the first, are they? Like, What's that? Out, they Outcast are not technically the first. Arrested Development's on the radio. They have hits. Listen, Atlanta had Tennessee. rappers, and, and I'm glad you bring this up. Atlanta had rappers, but you know, like as far as establishing an Atlanta sound, I don't know that we had that. Like Speech and Arrested Development, they felt very much like they went to you know Morehouse and Spelman, like the what we call the Atlanta University, uh, you know, the AU schools, like. 
and I had people at my schools who who dressed like that, and they yeah. had like diggable planet style names. There was a guy in my high school; his name was Hashim, but everybody called him Grasshopper. You know, like <laughs> there was there was like that. See, they dressed like hippies a lot. They dressed like there was a lot was of that because he was so wise. Going was that on. a karate kid thing? What what is that? <laughs> you know what? Like everybody, he tried to rap. Me and my friends, we all tried to rap. We still have those raps committed to memory. I'm not going to do them today, but you know, like it was really like half the kids wanted to. You know, be about that NWA type life. Believe I'm stopping, but when I come back, boy, I'm coming straight out of Yeah. And the other half were really about like that De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest type life. But odd as it may be, without my one and two, where would there be? My three may possibly, and that's a magic number. And. You know, Arrested Development was there. We had a group called Y'all So Stupid that was very, like, very few people remember Y'all So Stupid. Shout out to Y'all So Stupid. Shout out to Y'all So Stupid. (laughs) Shout out to Parental Advisory, which was a group that was sort of in the same clique as... uh, Outcast and they went first. They were inspired you know? by Tipper Gore's warning stickers. <laughs> oh, on yeah, well, listen, I'm telling you, PA as they were short. You, if you listen to that first Outcast record, he gives a lot of shout outs to PA. Interesting, because Parental Advisory was in that same. These are all proto uh, proto rap groups out of the Dungeon family click, and they right. they were more Tri Cities. We're going to talk about the Dungeon in a minute. Growing up in Southwest Atlanta, when I did late '70s. It was just like it was like a black mecca. It was like it was it was middle class. It was black. We still <laughs> the white people didn't take their golf course. We had two golf courses in our area. You had these beautiful homes with like these long lawns, and it was one hundred percent black. And the reason I bring all that up is to say that if you're black in an all black environment, well, then suddenly you're not known as like the black guy. Does that make sense? And so at my high school, the jocks were black and the nerds were blacks. The bullies were black. The bullied were black. <laughs> and I look at Andre and I look at his path and you just realize that this is what happens when people sort of are allowed to be more than just their skin tone. And when they're able to say, okay, what's really going on inside with me? Wow. You know, you can identify. Yes. It it makes sense that one guy is sort of like a street guy and another guy is like this amazing artistic poetry, poetry guy. Right. It makes a lot of sense because in the cultural stew that is Atlanta, you can, be as you know you can be whatever you decide to be um atlanta was a very special place to live if you were black growing up in the 80s and the 90s it just was and it sounds uh, that way yeah the city's a little bit different now but it was that unique cultural stew that we all grew up in that allowed for us and tlc and eventually the ti's and the ludicrouses and this whole wave of atlanta artists to just blow up and, and, and do their thing. I mean, like, I feel like only Atlanta could have produced us when it did. Well, thanks to y'all. That's such a great insight into like the, the place, the geography, the time you're actually having been there on the ground. I feel like you it's clearly, the, it's like the you, one musical yeah. scene that I can absolutely say. Yeah. I, I, you I seem intimately there, familiar 100%. with like what was happening. Cause you were there. You it were made really a lot there. of sense to me. Right. So just before we get into the song, we take a quick step back, talk a little bit about the history of the band and <laughs> it actually starts. It's funny little fun fact. It's funny that, to call them a band. I always think of I know. rap groups. They're a band. They're a duo. They're well, a let's group. talk about this rap band. They're a band. Well, it's funny because they're they are almost called the Misfits. Like that was a, that's crazy. That's really right? funny to me. Yeah, because obviously outcasts, misfits, at yeah. aliens. These are all of a theme. Like these guys felt like outsiders. The 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 first record store like that had like record store culture that I can remember yeah. was down in Little Five Points. 
uh it's called wax and facts i'm pretty sure uh and they always had like this gigantic misfits poster well, up in there the great thing about the misfits is that they're a great band they're one of my favorite <laughs> and i actually wanted to talk about them on the metallic episode because they influenced them but once they found out once outcast found out yeah. that there was already a band called the misfits who sound like this by the way So the story of the band is, it's 1992. We talked a little bit about, Diallo talked a little bit about organized noise. This is a group of three dudes, Rico Wade, Ray Murray, and Sleepy Brown, who basically, and I think it was Rico Wade's literally downstairs yes. basement. but it's the barely, dungeon. It's barely a basement. There's a dirt floor. So they call it the dungeon. <laughs> the dungeon. And um, this is where they start to make music. Yep. And, their and it was a place that they could trio. go. Yep. Hang and, out. And, and hang out. Yep. And, and I it's think like another family kind of unit. I think it came into play when they finally they they eventually opened their own studio stanconia uh that was the name of the studio that's what we're gonna get into yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was saying like you know andre was like you know we always needed a, a studio that wasn't gonna bill us just for hanging out yeah. there and literally he was like because i think that that's where we get the best stuff is when you can just stay there and play around with them be like no that doesn't work and then just sit back and relax some <laughs> several more hours and yeah. then keep yeah. working and not worry about like being on the clock exactly yeah. as you say just experiment fiddle around and i and i don't think that sleepy rico and ray have gotten their flowers i think organized noise is almost like the sauce like we all know but like your typical person walking yeah. around listening to music doesn't always know that these songs yeah, how the, how are the music produced gets made everything the from TLC's Waterfalls yeah. to Ludacris's Saturday, ooh, ooh, like all the like they've produced so many songs. That's right. Yeah, anyway, that's right. Well, you're absolutely right, and uh, this is where this is where Outcasts as like teenagers, literally, this is where Andre and Antoine <laughs> as like literally 17, 18 year olds, dude, I'm are sorry. learning how to write music and make make music together. I don't mean to keep interrupting, but you keep bringing up things <laughs> that remind me of things that happened in my childhood, and I can't believe it. The first time I ever saw Outcast perform live, it was at a place called My Brother's Keeper. This was a 15 and over club across the street from Greenbrier Mall Whoa. in the old Westgate. Shout out to anybody who remembers any of these. The Westgate Shopping Mall, which was like the rundown Greenbrier. Let's be honest. What year is this? This is, God, this is probably nine, late 94, 95. So they've put out their first album. It's just the first album. album. It's just the but first that's album. It. Okay. And they're, they're so, they're so. Southern playalistic. They're so nice music. because they, I remember. I'm about their age. I'm, you know, yeah, I'm about 18 or 19. Um, but I went to this place because I was like, I love this group. And You'd because we were 15 and over, because we were 15 okay. and over club, I remember they did all, they edited everything. Everything they got up there and rap. So they didn't they didn't do any swearing because they, okay. they wanted the kids to be right. pretended like that. But the kids, we do every, you know, like we were going crazy over songs like Crumbling Herb, which is just a fantastic, I mean, like these are songs that most people don't know now. But, like, go back and listen to that first Outcast album. I mean, like, you're not going to hear a lot of flute, but if you say that you <laughs> not love not, Outcast, We're not saying no flute. There's actually some flute. There's some flute. <laughs> there's I don't think flute. he's playing it. Um, there are so many good songs on that first album. <laughs> this is probably as good a point as any for me to bring this up. The first time I ever saw Outkast music, I actually went to the store to buy a Wu-Tang CD. And I was just going through the, the bins, as people typically do. And I remember pulling out a CD where the guys had on Atlanta, they had on Atlanta Braves hats. And I was like, what? And I look on the back, and they had a, 
a, an inter. I didn't know at the time. I don't think I knew it was an interlude, but they had a thing that said, welcome to Atlanta. It was like the fourth track on the album or something like that. This is Southern Playlistic. I had never heard I was any of their music. I was used to seeing the word Atlanta. I, had, I, had not, I was not used yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I bought it unheard. I, I bought a CD. Un, I did not know the band, but I was like, they got something on here called Welcome to Atlanta. Yeah. I'm down. And I was immediately blown away. See, I was immediately blown away. This must have been 94 because by the summer of 95, I was actually an unpaid intern at LaFace. It's the first job I've ever had in the, in the not just the music business, in the entertainment business. Yeah. But somewhere in 94, I came across that CD and I was like, oh, I got to pick this up. I just, this, what's so interesting to me is that it's, it's, I'm not the first to say it, but the geographic aspect of hip hop, the story of hip hop being such a geographic story. And if you've seen that great Netflix hip-hop evolution series like every episode is about we start in new york and then we go you know there's atlanta there's new orleans there's every single city gets its own uh gets its own episode because every single city has its own story and every single story has very significant differences in what happened who was there every city and i was just going to say just to finish that (laughs) thought while there is clearly an equivalent in other genres Mm -hmm. like i definitely didn't grow up thinking about rock and roll being although of course metallica was a local band i was kind of proud of them faith no more i had some sense of the bands that were like local bands i really it wasn't a big part of my consciousness in the same way like i certainly didn't get excited that when i saw that a band was from san francisco in the same (laughs) way like oh the jefferson airplanes from san francisco whatever who cares like a little bit of pride but it didn't have the same significance to me that clearly hip hop, the geographic centrality of hip, yeah. of hip hop. Yeah. It, it means something in hip hop, you know, to know that those guys are, are near you. I mean, like I would, I would hear references. <laughs> this is how desperate I was to hear something that I thought related back to my hometown. Digable planets at one point, Miss Mecca had a line where she was like, yeah, something, something, something right down to Ludlow. And I was like, oh, maybe she's talking about Ludlow Porsche, that guy who has a radio show in Atlanta. <laughs> maybe she's actually heard Ludlow. And then I get to New York and I'm like, oh, Ludlow's a street. Right. Oh, okay, good for, good for them. Another New York street. Give them a shout out. Um, but then here comes Outkast, and especially with Goody Mob. Goody Mob just took it to the nth degree. Like They had a song where they were like, can somebody please turn the lights on the 166? I can't see where the hell I'm going. And I was like, the one six six that freeway that goes by Greenbrier Mall, like that, because for a while, like the lights were never on right. on that freeway, and it was dangerous, you know. And like, yes, there's something about hearing the local guys rap about the very about local representation. things. It's, it's connecting. It's, it's, it's I know what that is. That's that's me. I feel yes. connected to this band. I feel connected to this. They they band. they had so much love, and that uh, you know, again, <laughs> shout out to Arrested Development. Shout out to y'all. So stupid. It was really outcast, organized noise. Mr. DJ, who is sort of like the uh, Ali Shaheed Muhammad of Outcasts. Mr. DJ does not get mentioned like a lot. Third or fourth guy, but he's in he's, the crew. He's, he's, but... the, he's the third guy, technically, <laughs> uh, especially in the in the days of that first album. Um, Goody Mob, they, they, they established what the Dirty South sound was going to be. Like, they were like, you know, as much as Seattle was established by Nirvana, Nirvana and trees. Screaming Trees. <laughs> They're a Seattle grunge band, yeah. right? As much as those grunge bands said, this is the sound of Seattle, yeah. I feel like Outkast and Goody Mob and all those guys said, this is the sound of the South. Distinctly the South. Not Texas, not Miami, but everything else. Alabama, South Carolina. But that Carolina. meant a lot to you because especially in this moment as we've been talking about, Atlanta, before prior to 
outcast. It exists a little bit culturally on the radar. We yeah. talked about rest of development, but suddenly it explodes. It it's explodes. huge. It's great. You're proud. And you recognize these individuals as people. Yeah. Like you recognize the art they're making. It speaks to you on many, many levels, not the least of which is that you're from the same place they are. Absolutely. And how exciting is that? It was a very exciting time yeah. to be from Atlanta. Another reason why organized noise are so important is philosophically what they're doing. They're teaching Outcast about mm-hmm. songwriting and production. And one interesting thing that they're doing that's a little different, it's not the first time we've got on the on the West Coast, we've got Dre and, and the whole uh, Death Row crew yeah. are doing alternatives to sampling-based music, sampling-based hip-hop. But organized noise in particular are really focused on how how much instrumentation can we add? How much mm. can we grab the the talented bass players from the community, bring them into the studio and work with them yeah. and recreate ideas? And they are definitely interpolating and they're not not sampling, but the sampling becomes more of a sonic thing. It's less mm-hmm. of a whole, taking a whole two yeah, bar yeah, loop yeah. of something and looping it. They're doing something completely different. I mean, the chronic... The, the the chronic cannot right. be overstated how huge that I mean the chronic is like the atom bomb of hip hop because chronic is the atom bomb and it's the reason why they convince LaFace rec, like literally LaFace to sign Outcast because they're uncomfortable it sounds like L A Reed and LaFace Records are not like they're it's not their expertise these mm-hmm. are R and B guys these yeah. are like pop radio guys yeah and arrested and, <laughs> right and no, we got organized noise keeps yeah. coming in and saying hey look we got these great these two guys, Outcasts, are going to be the next big thing. And L.A. Reid is not, not aware of, not comfortable with, not familiar with hip-hop until The Chronic comes out, sells a billion copies. He's like, I don't know much about this, but you guys keep telling me you got a hip-hop act that's going to blow up. I'm going to I give, here's the, here's here's, the green light. Babyface and L.A. Reid were probably like, yo, we got to get on this rap money. <laughs> right, got to get some of this rap money. So they do, and they put out this 1993 comp, A Very LaFace Christmas, with Player's Ball, which is ostensibly a Christmas song. And what's Dude, funny about it, you were going to it's beginning to look a lot like what? Follow my every step. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It tricks you right off the bat with I'm that first I'm telling you, Andre line. came in strong. He was like, I'm already going to reinterpret. Let's play that. You know. It's beginning to look a lot like wood. Follow my every step. Take notes on how I crap. I was about to go in depth. This is the way I creep my season. His mic. I mean, I love that version, but when they took off the, the sleigh bells and redid it, I, I like this version better, personally. Tell me what did you expect? You thought I'd break my neck to help y'all deck. I love the these chords, man. Oh, no, I got other now, what were you going to say about these two different versions? Okay, so the version with sleigh bells. Yeah. First off, I had all this stuff. Yeah. I was an avid. I was at Tower Records all the time. It's actually the first place I ever met Questlove. He was standing out there. I was like, that guy's in the roots. <laughs> Shout out to Questlove. Saw him outside. That's that Tower time. Records by Linux Square. It's the first time I ever heard Nirvana. I want to say was in there. It was like I was like Bleach. What what the hell is that? Uh, <laughs> I had all three versions, but let me tell you, the version that you just played, not only is it most people's favorite, yeah, but yeah. it was extremely hard to find. It, like, that's not the version that got a it's lot of play. It's not on the album. The on album Spotify, version was the yeah. one that got the most play, and yeah. it was in the music video and all this stuff. The version that you play, which uh, goes by a couple of names, but I usually see it extended remix. Sometimes right. it's called extended TV remix. That was a really hard find. I had to literally go on the nascent web. And like find it because like it was on Japanese pressings and stuff like. But no, trust me. Anytime you could break that one out at a party, which That's I did, way. I eventually did way. find the yeah, twelve yeah. inch once I started DJing. That was the version that we all love, love, and it right. is because of those piano chords. They're, right. they're so, so so sweet, jazz. They're Absolutely, so jazz. they're they're freaking <laughs> beautiful, right? Beautiful they're, chords. They're like deep house chords. You literally, I, deep I love house them. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
as soon as you said that, about 19,000 laptops fired up and, <laughs> and then put on GarageBand. Right. So very quickly, that song comes out. That's Player's Ball. The first LP comes out, Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music. Just to get us to Stankonia, 1996, second album, AT Aliens Drops. It's got that song, Elevators, Me and You, which actually went to number 12. Around me and you, your mama and your cousin too. I was surprised to find that that was bigger than on the third album, Rosa Parks. I thought that was the bigger song of the two, but Rosa Parks never got past number 55, surprisingly enough. The legend of Outkast is only growing, and their popularity is growing. They're big. They're opening for Lauren Hill on their miseducation miseduc- you know, tour. Andre is starting to wear like the football yeah. protective gear in music videos. <laughs> like, <laughs> we can already tell that our boy is like going in a new direction, and I think that's one of the lovely things about Atlanta at this time is that, in a weird way, it wasn't it wasn't anti competitive you know what i mean like i really do oh, feel like a lot of the groups people were, were running, supporting were each other absolutely yeah. because we were just happy to see at least from the outside it felt like everybody was happy to see atlanta taking its place at the table you you mentioned the LaFace christmas album yeah. earlier players ball by outcast that was like something that a couple of hip-hop people listen to but or an organized noise produced that track yeah but they also produced tlc's sleigh ride which is one of the best makes a lot of people's holiday playlists. It just, it felt like everything was just like flowering, yeah. you know, for years and years. But anyway, I wanna get, let's get back to no, this. You just, so, made me, you just made me think of like the evolution of hip hop Christmas songs. Cause I'm just thinking about. That was enough. It was hip hop. What is that? Run DMC. Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. Like we've come a long way from that. We've come a long way from that. I mean, like this is also, I mean, like as much as I love Slay Ride by TLC, this is also when Uncle Luke does a, what you gonna get? for Christmas like you know like <laughs> there was a slew like Death Row had their Christmas album they had a uh, Santa Claus is going straight to the ghetto you know like <laughs> Nate Dogg R.I.P. Nate Dogg like there were a lot of good Christmas songs in 90s hip hop Christmas but, but we rapping, digress Curtis Blow yeah yeah <laughs> depending on when this comes out this might be very timely yeah, but yeah. anyway go ahead so this leads us all to 2000 and the fourth album Stankonia which mm-hmm. coincides with this the artist growth the band growth the, the, the worldwide popularity of Outkast has gone from being two teenagers in this dungeon to now they have their own studio. They're ready to break out. They yeah. actually buy Bobby Brown's studio. I, sir, I heard that. They said yeah, they yeah. waited outside for Bobby Brown for like, like days on end. <laughs> <laughs> and he sold it to them. He, they renamed it Stank. Stank Onya. I didn't know the, the Onya part. You know, Stank is Stank, you know, funky. Yeah. But like the Onya, I was always like, that feels like a place. It feels like kind of like. A, it's supposed to be both a place and a pun. But literally, it turns out to be the title of a poster in Andre's bedroom called Plutonia. It comes from Plutonia, <laughs> which is a futuristic city. So a place I imagine you can open I think yourself it's, I think up. it's probably all those things. Stank on you sounds like I'm going to put that stank on you. This is also at a time when Alcaz is saying, like, they're like, stank you very much. Like, they say that a lot in the interviews. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I love the puns, though. I love, like, the wordplay. Like, yeah. I mean, they're we're going to get fun. into it later. But even Andre 3000, the new record, like, all of the song titles are so funny. Like, it's from the flute album. He's a funny dude. This He's man a knows. Very funny. A, very a lot, funny of, lot of humor between both of them. A lot of humor. And, and, I, and I, I want to I talk about that at some point because yeah, yeah, yeah. I do feel like a lot of times, you know, people are like, who's better, Paul or John? Yeah. Or Mick and Keith 
or, you know, <laughs> Guy, Guy or Tomas to the real heads. Um, I, I feel like Outcast is strong because, you know, as much as Andre kills it whenever he does guest verses, I, Big Boy's had some amazing guest verses of his own. I, I like the two of them together because yeah. there is a, you know, I don't, I, the same way I'm like, Atlanta wasn't competing with itself to see who's going to be number one. Like, I don't get the sense they're trying to occupy each other's lanes. You no. know what I mean? Like they respect each other's yes, creativity. There's so much they bounce off each there. other. They love each other as brothers. Yeah. And at this point, they're ready to start producing for themselves. They yeah. gradually started acquiring other skills. Uh, Andre's there, like learning to play guitar. And it turns out that he starts to write the song we're about to talk about today mm. on guitar. And they bring in a third guy who's their touring DJ. That's David, Mr. DJ Sheets. Who's been there from the beginning. He's been there from the beginning. Absolutely. The three of them form this Earth Tone 3 production crew. And that is the new core operation. They're still working with Organized Noise. They actually do four songs on this record with them. Um, not the least of which is um, So Fresh and So Clean. <laughs> An amazing track. Right, of course. And they are taking a cue from what they've already learned. They're bringing in live instrumentation from Atlanta club musicians, and they're making their new record. They're making Stankonia, mm. which which brings us to the song of the day, Miss Jackson, yeah. from the fourth album, Stankonia. Let's which, talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. First, I thought Miss Jackson was the, uh, you know, it's just the passage of time. I thought it was the first single off this album. B.O.B. was the first one, Bombs Over Bad Dag, which I, I really liked that song. Like, But apparently, like... Critics loved it, and audiences were like, eh, kind of weird, even for Outkast, and and didn't really respond to it, even though it's got, like, you know, a really upbeat, drivey sound. But it's it's Miss Jackson that captured everybody's attention. Yeah, so let's let's talk about it. We have we have the stems, and uh, what what is the first stem from this song that you want to play for us? First off, can I just say I'm excited that we're doing a hip-hop song with pure stems. Right. Like you said, it's not not a lot of sampling. There is some sampling. There is some sampling but, here. There's but, some creative reuse of recorded material. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you will. But let's start yeah. with the stems. What's the first stem you got for us? Okay, so let's start with the drums because the song starts with that famous reverse sound. And this is what it is. So this is Raj Kala playing the congas. And I'll play it for you as it is in the mix first, and then I'll play it backwards so you can hear what that is. Here's how the song starts. Okay, and now let's hear that reversed, in other words, forwards. Here's what was actually performed. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. It's just a guy playing the congas. And that <laughs> and guy... played backwards, that's what gets the... Yep, yep, yep. That's Raj Kala playing congas and then having... And then the tape was flipped backwards, okay? So we got that, and then we've got our beat. Let's listen to that. As you can hear, there's another backwards element there, that hi-hat. It's a backwards hi-hat. So in the mix, you've got... Yeah, that, I was like, what instrument is that? Yeah, incredibly dope. Like. Wow, that's really cool. <laughs> All right. And then if you think that's cool, listen to this. This is on bass. We have an actual performer here as well. And what's cool is like this guy is a legend in his own right. This is bass guitar as performed by Aaron Mills from the band Cameo. And I'll bring the beats back in. When you learn that it's cameo, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, of course that's cameo. <laughs> like, I want to hear candy. Let's hear some clear. <laughs> I got candy queued up right here for you, baby. Oh, there you go. 
so tight. Roses really smell like boo. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you really feel like you have an idea of what the where Andre and and I want to say Andre and Andre where uh, Andre and Big Boy where their heads are at while they're making this album yeah it's so funny to think about Cameo specifically because those guys are like those are guys are, are funny and crazy and like bringing ideas Absolutely. from all kinds of different sources oh, too, yeah. I mean, into the funk right I mean I think humor is is strong in in, in the Outcast yeah. family. Like you know, is that is it strong in Atlanta? Is that an I think, Atlanta? I, I, listen, is I'm this always going to say humor. There's something. <laughs> hell yeah! When, <laughs> I'll never forget when Andre uh, got out on a song with Kesha of all people, and he was like, "I call her Keisha because she thinks it's good to her." You know, like <laughs> you know, yeah, that was like some low hanging Atlanta humor fruit, and yet nobody beat him to it. So you know, Andre, he was always going to come with some jokes. <laughs> He's always coming with some jokes. All right. Well, let's move on. We got some piano as well. This is another live performance. This is from Marvin Chans Parkman. I don't know why his nickname is Chans, but this is what Chans, <laughs> when Chans gets on the synth, this is what the Chans Music can only have one Marvin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And here he is playing uh, piano. Oh, and by the way, this is a part here. Let's listen in the mix and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I always thought that that was brilliant. I, I, I heard that the first yeah. time. I was like, oh, they, they incorporated the wedding song. <laughs> yeah, that's all he's playing throughout the entire song, too. It's just that loop. And it is the wedding march. But, but, it's, right. but it's also got that, ding, you know. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, it's got that little part at the right. end. So it's not just, but it's brilliant. But that is an interpolation, if you will. Although uh -huh. technically it's more of a reference. Is it's that not canon a, in D? What is that? That is the bridal chorus from Richard Wagner's 1850 opera. Shout out to Wagner. Longer and It's long out of <laughs> copyright. of the Valkyries. <laughs> long out of copyright. So it's yeah, not yeah, protected. Yeah, yeah. Anyone can, you, you can write a new song using hey, that if you like. Beethoven was the a wedding march, right? Yeah. So that's the Here Comes the Bride. It's often called Here Comes the Bride. Here it's not the technical the name. Bride. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and that also shows up, by the way, in the guitar part, which Dre is playing himself in the background. This is a little harder to hear, but it kind of cuts through the mix every now and then, especially at the end. But uh, here's Andre 3000 on electric guitar. And a little Jimmy. A little wah-wah Jimmy. Jimi Hendrix wah-wah there. <laughs> totally. And that's happening throughout the whole song. What's cool is that it's not a loop. He's just playing it over and over again. So it gets li it's a little different every time. And he's Listen, not like, he's not Jimi Hendrix. So Outcast has always... A wonky in a good way. They start at one place and throughout their whole career, it's such a... It's, it's just like the Beatles in the sense that like, even the casual observer can see, oh, the group that they are in 2000 or the group that they are, heaven forbid, by 2005 is not the same group that put out... Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music in 1994. It's just right. not the same group. And they're you're evolving. on they're growing. You're on the ride with them. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, no, why should they stay the same? I mean... Let them go wherever their imagination takes them. We're going to continue through the stems, obviously. We're going to get to the vocals and everything else. That's and I right. can't wait to get through all of that. But I also can't wait to have, like, our our big conversation about, like, the current stuff that he's doing. Because <laughs> I'm so excited well, about, we talk about Andre that. 3000's creative journey and his creative, like, And I, and I want to talk about Big Boy because I yeah. feel like he has had a journey of his own. Okay. Listen, after the break, we'll be getting deeper into Miss Jackson and we'll be sharing our one more song picks. So we'll be right back. Hey, this is Justin Richmond, host of the Broken Record Podcast. Join me along with co-host Leah Rose as we sit down with the artists you love to get unparalleled creative insight. 
You'll hear revealing interviews with some of the most legendary figures in music like Paul Simon, Usher, Pete Townsend, Damon Albarn of the Gorillaz, and Missy Elliott. And you'll hear from up-and-comers like jazz artist Leve, who told me about her fast rise to fame during the pandemic. Listen to Broken Record on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love, up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. It's okay if you aren't ready for kids right now. It's okay if you don't want to be a mom now or even ever. It's nobody's decision but yours. But do you know it's not okay? Not knowing how effective your birth control is. Talk to your doctor about effective birth control options so you can make an informed decision. Tap to learn more. All right, so let's get back into the stems, the synths, that kind of high-pitched keyboard, just the three-chord thing that goes through the entire song. It's actually credited not to any individual, but it's credited to Earth Tone 3 as a whole. And here it is. <laughs> That's it. Just really simple. Three chords and a bass, bass note. But... Can I say that is some sheer synth perfection? That is some ser- that is some synth. That's some Depeche I Mode. I really like that. Some some actually Human League. I'd say more than Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode would be a little more intricate. Play it again. Play it again. Let's right. hear it one more time. I'm, hear- I'm hearing a lot of Human League in that. Orchestral. Yes. <laughs> to the dark. Oh, uh, you know what? Orchestral for the, for the OMG. actual for the tone. <laughs> you're right. It's OMD for the sound. For some reason, here it reminded me of this. Just because we're talking about it. Or, By the way, Andre has a lot. He's like softly, as if I play piano in the dark. Like, <laughs> I wonder if he was thinking that when he played that. <laughs> just because we have a podcast and it's fun to play music, it just reminds me of this. Sorry, Mr. Jackson. I am for real. Never meant to make your daughter cry. I apologize. Me and your daughter got this thing going on. You say it's love. We say it's real strong. Man, the Human League, like the potential for the Human League outcast crossover. If anybody's still doing mashups, first off, you're 20 <laughs> years to too late. But try that. See if it works. Yeah. It's your idea now. Take Serato, it run with it. can isolate the vocals. Take it and run with it. We don't need to own that. Run idea. with that. Okay. So those are your synths. We've now heard all the instruments. And if you'd like to, we can get into the vocals. There's a lot of I'd fun love stuff to get into there. the vocals. Tell it. me, tell me about these vocals because these are these lyrics are outstanding. Well, and grown up. I was actually Let's thinking it might be a fun way to do this. Is there a vocal in particular? Because there's so many great lines. I'll start with one, and then I'll bounce it to you. You pick the next one. So I'm going to start okay. with the. Uh, Let's hear the. Let's hear the baby's mama's intro thing, because that's just that's one of many <laughs> iconic like, that moments. That just sets the whole thing off. Okay. Yeah, this one right here goes out to all the baby's mamas, mamas. Mamas, mamas. Nice. Who's that in the background? <laughs> Baby, mamas, mamas. 
I mean, it, it makes the song instantly a classic. You know, we were talking about how, you know, technically Andre's first line in any Outkast song that was ever released was, you know, it's beginning to look a lot like what? Like it immediately yeah. grabs you. Sets the tone. Yeah. It tricks you. And this one is the same it's way. It's like, this one goes out to all the babies, mamas, mamas, mamas. Like he, yes, it's, it's almost like in a pre-TikTok age, he understood that there was a certain brain algorithm that's right. like, man, Hook you got about seconds. 10 seconds to get me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I saw the DLC talking about working with Snoop on nothing but a G thing. And he was like, Snoop, you know, you got to say something at the top of this song that's going to immediately draw people in. Yeah. And he was like, and, and, and with that advice, Snoop wrote one, two, three into the foe. He's yeah. like, counting, <laughs> like everybody knows what's going to come yeah, next, works. but how are you going to reinvent counting? Like, <laughs> like good rap songs, yeah. they draw you in from the very beginning. That's so true. Yeah, that's such like an innovation of the medium. I mean, like we don't, you don't necessarily have that. In, like, like Beatles songs aren't like one, two, John, here I come. Like, <laughs> like that might have been a good idea. But they that might have worked. That might have worked. <laughs> that might have worked. Right back in the day, Paul and John, they left some money on the table. Just saying. <laughs> they should have spelled it out: J to the O to the H to the N, L E N N O N. I mean, like, it would have worked. Keep it, it simple. Just spell your name. <laughs> that's a lot of fun. All right, so now it's your turn. What lyric would you like me to isolate next? So many iconic lyrics I think in this. Like one. the second half of Andre's verse on this song. Okay. I, I, you know, I think when Erica Badu said she heard the song, Big Boy's verse, she did not like. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. thought it was, it was like aggressive. rude and disrespectful. It was a, bit, a bit aggro. And but she said when she heard Andre's part, she was like, it felt to her anyways like truthful. So I think with that in mind, maybe something that plays like the second half of his verse because there's one line in particular. When he says, and yes, I will be present on the first day of school and graduation. Like, that is such a mature line. Like, going back yeah. to what we were saying earlier in the episode about hip-hop is maturing at this point. But, like, that line, like, it's so pregnant with, like, a relationship that must still be maintained and yet everybody's compromising. Like, mm -hmm. that line kind of blows me away. That's beautiful. Right, right. It happened for what reason one can't be mad. So know this, know that everything's cool. And yes, I will be present on the first day of school and graduation. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Can I graduate? Oh, I love it. Hey, let's let's get technical with Andre's like voice ending. because he has such a rich voice just when he's talking. Like yeah. when you hear him in interviews, you're like, oh yeah, that dude. I guess if there was no such thing as rap, maybe he would have been an announcer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's got such a rich voice. And yet I do hear some effect on that. Yeah, vocal. there's a delay. There's there, like is that what that is? Is that a delay? Thoughts of he asking what happened to the feeling that there's it's, reverb. It's like, there's reverb, which yeah. is, gives it that feeling of being in a church. Yes, and then I always the, think like a big uh, hallway. And then but. at the end of the line, you can hear a little delay tail. Thoughts mm -hmm. of he asking what happened to the feeling that her and me had. I pray so much. Actually, it's most. I take that back. That's all reverb that we're hearing in this mix. There's something about his lyrics. You know, I, I think about this a lot because there there's some rappers who I like them, but it's hard for me, even me. Lifelong hip hop. It's hard for me to understand what they say. His enunciation mm -hmm. is so clean and clear Clarity. that I've never had a doubt when I really listen what Andre was saying. And yet yeah. it's still super complicated and syncopated and off the right. rhythm. I'm reminded of a line on uh, TLC's album, the, the last song on Crazy Sexy Cool, uh, I believe is a song called Something Wicked This Way Comes. And he says... I remember back in a time when the only signs we had were pickets. You know, like just from the from the start, he's hitting you. Yeah. 
You know, and then he goes into, you know, Jiang's killing brothers for colors, things that we wear for fashion. Other brothers use it for a reason to be blasting. Like, it's just, it's well pronounced. And yet he still doesn't lose his Atlanta accent. I'm going to keep coming back to Atlanta. Like, the Atlanta accent is not the Mississippi accent. It's not the Texas accent. It's not uh, North Cackalack accent. It's a very specific accent. Is a very specific exit that you, I can fall into. Hey, if I need to fall into oh, that exit, I can fall into that exit. Oh boy! You know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's, it's just another it's Diallo the, in the it's, room. Hey, listen, uh, it's, it's I grew up there. You know you what I'm are. saying? Yeah, and I feel like we just don't hear it a lot from a lot of rappers. The fact that I can hear every syllable enunciated, but it's not like he's like code switching. Yeah. To me, is just more that makes me just think this man is is brilliant. But let yeah. me also say. Because I don't think it's said quite enough, especially in this world of Andre's flute album, that Big Boy is such an important part of Outcast to me. Because again, it's like it's like the two sides of Atlanta. There's like the very down to earth side, and there's like the aspirational artistic side. And I, I think that's why Outcast means so much to us, and that's why so many of us really loved Big Boy just as much as Andre. If you're a real Outcast fan, you love Big Boy, and that's why I actually like to see Big Boy. Um, shout out to Daddy Fat Stacks. Uh, he had a lot of work that he did solo. Um, he did work with artists um, in the electronic. I mean, like if anybody has ventured out into electronic music, yeah. it's actually been Big Boy. So he's, he's just left foot. Certainly, he's just left foot. He's done a lot. Of, so I, I would ask anybody listening to this, and he was one of the first people. I mean, people forget when Janelle Monet. I I first heard about her as a member of the Dungeon Family. So you know, like I feel like he's also been a good steward, and he's done features right. with artists who were up and coming. And Killer Mike. And yeah. Killer Mike. Yeah, yeah. Killer Mike is like the second generation Dungeon yeah. Family. I guess Future would be the third generation. Um, you know, like Dungeon Family has had some some amazing careers launched out of that click and we should never ever uh underestimate or under appreciate let me ask you Big how boy. often how often should we not do it should we never ever should we never ever ever <laughs> never ever 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 ready not at all let's hear that <laughs> ever ever on the oak tree i hope we feel like this forever 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 ever forever ever forever never <laughs> seems that long until you're grown and notice that the day by day ruler can't be too wrong pause it the other thing that Andre does a lot in his verses that I really appreciate is he's got a very sort of like wise sort of like sense of like beginnings and endings. Let, let, let me explain that. One of my favorite, this might be, this might be my favorite outcast line of all time. It's uh, Rosa Parks. When the record player get to skipping and slowing down, all y'all can say is them niggas earn their crown, but until then. Then, uh-huh. What's that fuss? Like he's very much... Uh-huh talked about there may come a time when there is no outcast or people aren't checking for outcast he he comes back to that often almost as much as like tupac talked about dying or getting shot like tupac talked a lot about that and 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 andre talked a lot about there there may come a time when there's no more outcast and yeah. i and i've always he's been telling of, us he's, yeah, he's been, telling been saying for a time. long time because we're gonna we're gonna get into this more in a minute but before you know <laughs> But there's a lot going on in Andre's creative brain, and he is looking to do things that are interesting to him exclusively. That is his life's mission. And of course, he needs to feed his family. Of course, he needs to keep (laughs) shoes on his feet. He's got ambitions. He's got an element of him that enjoys fame. But there's also something that drives him, which is just purely exploration and creativity and improvisational creativity at that. And that, to me, is what why I'm so inspired, especially by his most recent moves. After 
giving up the greatest hip hop act of all time to, to uh, according to many and certainly according to the like sales of speaker box and love below and go on to do what he wants to do with his days you know even though that he put success down and he left it there and everyone wonders why well because he's driven by creativity I listen I, I i appreciate that i i think that look i listened to the uh the, the flute album over the weekend mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine was like, yo, this album going to bang in the spa. And I kind of agree. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think like, he would too. He's not, like, that's not a joke to him. He's like, he gets it. He knows what this he's is. He's in on it. But yeah, listen, I will it. say this. Um, if you really loved Outkast and you are missing Outkast, and this obviously does nothing to make you not miss Outkast. I mean, like I, I, I give props to, um, I give props to Leslie Jones who did an extended riff at the Daily Show. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like I totally get where that comes from. Not because we don't appreciate artistic change. It's just that if Outcast is or was what it was for me, and presumably Leslie, just your favorite hip hop group, right. there is a part of you that that a that a, a rhymeless instrumental flute album it only sort of exacerbates your like desire to like hear from him. You know what I mean? Sure. I remember 2007 outcast by that point had broken up and, and Andre personally had like an amazing year of features. He's on the walk it out remix with, uh, you know, DJ Unk. he's, um, and throw some D's on it. He's on that remix and crushed it. He's, that was the year that he came out with, uh, that epic other flow he did about marriage on, um, the International Players Anthem by UGK. Like 2007, it's like the second Outcast broke up, he was like on, he, I think that's the year he did his verse on Party with Beyonce. You know, like he was coming with all these amazing verse after verse <clears throat> after verse. Um, and there's a part of us that misses that. I, I, I don't want to belabor it because again, I think that we're unified in thinking that like an artist needs to go where an artist needs to go. Um, but you, you've heard this from me before. In my opinion, Outcast is very much like Daft Punk. Like they came out with albums and they defined genres and they defied genres. Um, and then they broke up and then you just had to just resign yourself to the fact that no, there's not going to be another outcast album. There's not going to be another dad punk album. Oh, one of the members is coming out with an album and it's all classical this music. Is, this okay. Is, this is I the, hear that. And this is this, the narcissism of fandom though. Like, oh, I, I, it's like totally narcissistic. Fans want totally selfish. fans already like. It's totally selfish. And yeah. by the way, there are enough outcast albums that we can always go back and revisit those. In We're fact, gonna hear it in a new I'm gonna, way. I'm going to suggest to anybody who has never listened to Southern Playlist or Cadillac music, you know, even though there's some lyrics in there that are probably not cool by today's standards, go back and listen to a young Andre and young Big Boy, and you'll still hear a lot of what you appreciate in later Outkast records. Uh, it's not that, they, that these groups, Outkast and Daft Punk, don't leave a musical legacy. It's just that, you know, there is a part of us that would love to see the band get back together and just do one song for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all. And now let's listen to the iconic hook with all of its different sub hooks. This is the hook <laughs> with like multiple sub hooks within a hook. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, I am for real. Never meant to make your daughter cry. I apologize a trillion times. Okay, now you have to rank the hooks. What is the top <laughs> hook within a hook of that hook? Ah, <laughs> uh, interesting. Uh, is it the who? 
I mean, the who is infectious. I think it, I think you got to have it all. I think yeah. it all comes together because if you take any part of it off, mm. it's almost like Outcast itself. If you take away yeah. Big Boy, it's Andre, which is amazing, but it's not Outcast. I don't you want to just eat I mean? the burger. I want the bun. I want the ketchup. Yes, I want man. the pickles. I want it all. I want all, I want all those layers. Okay. <laughs> By the way, speaking of layers, I hear at least two Andre vocals in the mix. Nowadays, all almost every rapper has a singing voice. Yeah. But like this is still, you know, this was probably recorded in 99. Like with the exception of Lauren Hill, I feel like not every rapper, maybe most deaf, Lauren Hill and most deaf are rapping and singing in equal parts. But this is a new look for, yeah. for Outkast. Like, you know, he's singing a lot. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because the other part I wanted to play for you, which is a really fun little moment. I think this is after the first chorus. It's really sweet. And um, he is, he's kind of doing a little bit of everything, as you say. I'll just play it for you, and then we can talk about it. Hope that we feel this, we feel, feel this way forever. You can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. Ten times out of nine, now if I'm lying, fine. That's like a Beach Boys kind of like that was crazy, right? That, that was some pet sounds. <laughs> but you know, I think what's cool about that is that um, how many times have you heard that song? And I did not hear that other part yeah. of it ever. Because I was just, I was listening to the part that was on the beat. You know what I mean? Right. But like, the, can't predict the weather. Yeah. Like, that's on a very different part of the beat. That was super cool. Yeah, yeah. He's he's playing with Counterpoint, and he's maybe listening to the Beach Boys. And he's or, talking. And he's talking. There's a lot going on there. And it's a way of having multiple different vocal ideas, almost like a Mariah Carey song, right? We were joking on the Mariah Carey episode. We talked about how there's this sort of church-like moment where we have mm-hmm. four or five different <laughs> melodic lines yeah. that are playing off of each other. Yeah. And in the mix... It doesn't feel chaotic. If you just listen to it out of nowhere, it's like, what is this chaos? Yeah. But it makes sense because over the course of time in the song, it's built to that moment. Also, it's building, building, building. He was he was obviously going out with and had a child with Erica Badu. There's something about his falsetto flourishes that sounds like Erica Badu around that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the oh, that's interesting. You know, yeah. I need a rim shot, baby. <laughs> you know, like. There, you could. She, well, she rubbed. Re- she rubbed off on him. Well, it also reminds me of Sleepy Brown himself, who's doing hooks yes. like that in their previous in their yeah. previous songs. Right? He's doing his. He's doing his Curtis Mayfield esque kind yeah, of thing. I mean, players there's ball. no way that All they the players could. Play. Right? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, shout out to Big Rube, who was a major part of all those early Outcast uh, records. He. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because they were obviously in the studio with organized noise, and and the same way I'm saying some of that Erica probably rubbed off on Andre. Some of that organized noise yeah. clearly rubbed off on them when it came time for Andre and Big Boy to produce their own songs. Yeah, because when you're in the room with someone creatively and you see them doing it, yeah. it is this representation matters. That is like, oh, that is something I can, oh, I can do that. I can try to do that. <laughs> right, right. So you know, in, internet misinformation central, right? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bust the myth that there's an interpolation. Interpolation. Uh oh. There's no interpolation. The song doesn't have any interpolations or samples. But people do mistakenly, understandably, I should say, compare the hook to this song, and I'll, I'll play them back to back in a second. Now, you may recognize that melody, that Strawberry Letter 23, the original by Shuggy Otis, which was and then it was a part of Brothers covered, Johnson, right? Famously covered by the Brothers Johnson. Uh-huh. So, is that an interpolation? Are we hearing an interpolation when we hear? 
I mean, whenever you play songs back to back, I always hear it. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> you know? Beethoven copied Bach. You know? <laughs> In my humble opinion, I mean, there's similarities. You say no. My my opinion is that's not uh, a legally like. Well, you know, my take my is words. that unless it's blatant, they should really let people, you know, create. Because yeah. I, I, mean, I think I think there's, I think there's too much. Yeah. You can play me a lot of things back to back, and I can hear similarities. Even as a DJ for as many years as I've been a DJ, there are times when I'll be singing something. I'm like, what does that remind me of? And then I'll hear what it reminds me of but i don't immediately think oh they copied one and i just think that there are what there, there are 13 chords or something like that only 12 notes that my only man 12 can play. notes right yeah. so like you know i'm not i'm not covering for outcast but like no this is definitely not something that needs to be dragged into court no this is not dragged into court there's a similarity but it's not the same right it's not and a it's sample and i did different think, enough I, I, I that it's a sworn, new completely new song this is a completely right. new and different song i could have sworn i saw somewhere on the internet they were like trying to say that this is a sample even definitely it wasn't even an interpolation they were like this is a sample and it's i think like, it's in no. the wikipedia entry like that, there's a lot of garbage out there and it's in some like ostensibly reputable sources yeah. that, like most people think wikipedia is fully reputable but it's usually 88 percent of the way there but it is not a sample wiki editors get on the outcast page yeah. and correct these yeah, lies these scurrilous lies i've looked inside the song there's no definitely a sample of brothers johnson in there uh-uh. i think that, they might think you know what i think it is i think right. some people think because of that bass line i played you that cameo let's play that again listen how funky that cameo bass line is. the um aaron from cameo who plays live bass on this Because in Brothers Johnson, we have a super freaking crazy funky bass line going on, which sounds like this. I gotta say, I, I, I don't think that's, not the, I don't think that's similar at all. Listen, it's not even close. The da 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 da. Oh, it's the melody. Like, I, it's the medley, and melody. you know, whatever. I I think that Outkast is probably safe on that front. Yeah. We love you, Outkast. <laughs> You're not in. You come for Outkast, get these hands. <laughs> All right, so Diallo, this is the first time you've heard this song this way, broken up into those mm -hmm. isolated chunks. How was that experience for you? Did it change I gotta say, your appreciation for the yes, music? Yes. Um, look, I always knew there was something different, different sonically happening with Outkast than yeah. almost any other group that was out there. Yeah. I think somewhere in the back of my brain, even though I didn't understand you know, music creation back then the way I do now, that there was probably some more live instrumentation. I didn't realize the live instrumentation yeah. was to the degree. It was actually around this time, though, around the time of Miss Jackson, that one of my friends who was in an indie rock band here in L.A. came to me and was like, you know what rap group I really like is Outkast because like, I, I hear the musicians on there. And at the time, I was kind of pissed because I'm still one of those people who's like, sampling is absolutely an art. you know. Like, um, And I'm not saying he was dissing him for that reason, but... You know, he was falling a little bit too much in love with them because of live instrumentation. But looking back now, you know, 20 years later, uh, more than 20 years later, it does feel like, you know, that was one of the things that made their production special. It makes the texture the different they, of, yeah. uh, in a, in a hip hop song, in a rap song of this era, especially, yeah. you know, it, it changes the nature of the musical bed itself is 
definitely different. How it was made was different. Yeah. It's performed, not only is it performed, but there are no loops or very few loops. Yeah. The, the, the percussion, there are, there are and loops. And I was definitely... There are loops in the beat, but the rest of it is a yeah. human playing through for three minutes, which is significant because it's the sound of a band playing. Mm-hmm. And there's something amazing that I will defend as much as you will to, to the nth degree about sampling and what loops oh, do. You the, feel, to... <laughs> the feel of a loop... The feel of a loop is its own special thing. The feel of Kraftwerk, metronomic, precision, daft punk, but also the feeling of a band or performers performing is a special thing too. And I think a big part of Outkast is that. Loved Outkast. I loved the way their music sounded different than anything else, not just on the radio, but almost anything else in hip hop. So yeah, we we support live musicians. And we support (laughs) drum machines. And we support sampling. And we support (laughs) interpolations. We love it all. Absolutely. A lot of ways to skin a cat or to make a song, which is why skin a cat. That's a strange expression. Please don't skin cats out there. No. Shout out to not skinning cats. Yeah. Don't fuck with cats. So it's been 20 years since Miss Jackson was released. Longer, actually. It's been a little bit longer. Yeah, it's been a little bit longer. Where does it stand for you in the hip hop pantheon? A quarter century later. Look, um, I I personally have a hard time comparing... Uh, or like coming up with like a top 10 anything because yeah. ultimately we're oh comparing God, art and I, I tell my kids all the time like not everything has to be a freaking TikTok list. <laughs> what about within the Outcast catalog? But within the Outcast catalog, look, I love this song. It it means a lot to, you know, Outcast fans in the sense that like by this point you really know that these guys are maturing because they're coming with deeply personal yeah. material that is not, like you said earlier, it's not bragging, it's not descriptions of street life like no this is like hey this is what's going on with me today so it's it's way up there i is mean your I, top three what is your what is your top three outcast my outcast top three yeah. man i'm on the spot <laughs> <laughs> um okay here we go number one gotta go with uh player's ball that remix that you played earlier it is absolutely one of my favorite songs of all time yeah. Number two, I'm going to say She Lives in My Lap just because it is a song that could not have been on Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music. Like to me, that song and all its wonderful atmospheric goodness (laughs) is like a truly just an amazing song. Shout out to Rosario Dawson on it. Uh, it's just an amazing song. It's just a great song. She lives in my lap. I, it almost sounds like Prince. I love the story about, we don't have time to get into today, but after they did the reunion show at Coachella, uh, Prince called Andre to like give him advice and, and basically rate the show. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> who gets calls from Prince like that? Um, and then my number one is a very bizarre song considering that I really love Outkast for their rapping, but it's the spoken word masterpiece. Spodiote, Doublicious. But to this day, there are so many classic moments in that song from from a masterful big boy... (laughs) Line, the post office ain't call you back because you had cloudy piss. <laughs> what? Because you failed a drug test. Yeah, That's yeah, what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah. And then you know, Andre's description of a night out that goes drastically wrong when a fight breaks out, 
And he says, one dude got his shirt off saying, now who want to fuck with Hollywood coat? Which, listening to, I always thought he said Hollywood Cole, which I thought was the most badass nickname of all time. But he says Hollywood Court, which someone reminded me, I was like, once he said Hollywood Court, I was like, oh, we used to call the projects in Atlanta. A lot of times they had names like Court. So there was like Kimberly Court. And Hollywood Court was a particularly bad one. I want to say it was over near Nisky Lake, which was really nice. Like that was where some black folks had houses on a lake. Like I, I briefly dated a girl over on, lived on Nisky Lake and we went out on her boat. But like, but some of the projects that were over there were like really rough and Hollywood Court was one of them. To me, Spodiote musically, it's been sampled so many times. Uh, they've done house remixes of it. But to me, like, and I think why, to, to finish out this answer, my favorite album, standalone album by Outkast, is it? I want to say it's a Love Below and Speaker Box, but it might be Equimini. Because okay. Equimini was more than AT Aliens. I feel like it's a lot of people's favorites. Equimini yeah. was just a, a fan favorite. It was, it was masterful. Yeah. And there's so many good songs on that album. So, you know, again, I hate comparing art to art. It's not what I do. I think it's better in sports than in the world of art. But uh, yeah, I think Spodiote takes the top spot. And I think Equimini takes the top album spot. Nice one. Okay, so before we go, we're going to do one more song. If you haven't heard the segment before, the premise is real simple. Every episode, Luxury and I will bring in a song you probably haven't heard. It's a deep cut, a hidden gem, maybe something a little obscure, Namibian drum and bass, an actually good rap rock song, or maybe even jazz flute. And then we'll share that song with each other and with you. All right, I'm going to go first. Okay, Luxury, my song... Just because I've mentioned it already twice in this episode, my song is going to be Crumbling Herb by Outkast off of their very first album. Yes, sir. Let me dig into your brain. Folks falling like rain. Property got me selling things. Guess I'm going to explain. Jane is rolled up. No gangs be thrown up. Yeah, go back and listen to that because you will hear a masterful Andre verse. And uh, it's off of their very first album called Crumbling Herb. All right, Luxury, that was my song. What do you got for us? Great choice, my friend. Um, this week, my song, I mean, as I've already revealed, you know, there's no going, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. I am a musician. I actually happen to have a new single oh, that nice. just came out. So this is uh, me, Luxury, and this track is called Perfect Forever. Just came out. You're going to love it. Yeah, so that's that's me. I like it. I, I making, think that's going to be the subject music. of a future episode of this podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, that's nice of you to say. <laughs> we want to know what you think of this week's picks. Hot or not? Spa or nah? <laughs> uh, if you have a deep cut that you want to share with us, you know where to find us. On Twitter, I am at Diallo. And on Instagram, I am at Diallo. Uh, at TikTok, I am at Diallo Riddle. So sorry about that. Hope that's interesting, not interesting that you led with Twitter. Uh, <laughs> interesting. It's um, called X now. Um, I'm Luxury, L-U-X-X-U-R-Y. And on that's on the Instagrams and on Twitter. I'm not, you know, I'm, we're not, not really, really on, on Twitter. We're not just really on X. Skip Twitter. Just find do us Instagram. on Instagram and TikTok. If I'm on TikTok, yeah. I'm Luxury XX. And, and as always, if you hear luxury in the world, it's always going to be a 2X luxury. <laughs> That's who I'm at. 
That's why I'm at. My God, I'm still sick. I'm trying to pretend like I'm not still a little sick. I'm like two percent left in sickness. Dude, you're almost. I'm you're almost, almost at eighty percent. Almost doing at eighty percent. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, man. Help me in this thing. All right. Well, I've been luxury. I am luxury. I continue to be luxury. <laughs> in spite of my illness, I am still producer, DJ, and songwriter. Luxury. That's who I am. And I am actor, writer, sometimes DJ, and forever ATLian. Diallo Riddle. That's right. And this has been One Song. We will see you next time. This episode was produced by Matthew Baby Mama Nelson with engineering from Marcus Hom. Additional production support from Charles Childers, Jordan Calling, and Alicia Shimada. The episode is executive produced by Kevin Hart, big Atlanta Braves fan Mike Stein, Brian Smiley, Eric Eddings, Eric Weil, and Leslie Guam. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, who's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie, and uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love, up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's day with gifts up to 60% off.